thinking steps. One, steps one, two, and three. My name is Chris, and I'm a compulsive eater and the moderator for this session. The speakers are Terry and Laurent. This session, this session is being interpreted simultaneously into French. If you require interpretation, please click on the interpretation symbol and choose French. That's found at the bottom of your screen. We also have closed caption available. Click on live transcript. Let's open with the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. This session will feature two speakers with up to 20 minutes each. After that, the attendees will be able to ask questions of the speakers. The audio of this session is being recorded and will not be edited. Please note that this session will be available online or as a podcast feed. Webinar information. As you have noted, webinar is view only. Attendees are automatically muted. Attendees are not visible to each other or to the people on the panel. Only the panelists are, avail are, visual, are visible. Please use the Q&A function, you find it at the bottom of your Zoom screen, to ask questions of the panelists. Use chat for supportive comments. We ask that you keep what you see and hear here confidential and that there be no recordings or screen captures. Please respect the anonymity of all who attend. For our speakers, the timer will signal on 15, 10, and five minutes. Remember, you are being interpreted into French, so please speak slowly. Our first speaker is Terry. Terry, please go ahead. Thank you very much for the introduction. Thanks for your service. Hi, everyone. I'm Terry W. I'm from Boston, Massachusetts. And I am a compulsive overeater, anorexic, and bulimic. And I would like to start my session, please, with a set-aside prayer. And these are prayers we can make up on our own. Or um, I'll, I'll give you one that I made up that I really love. So if you could join me. Dear God, please help me set aside anything I think I know about myself, my disease, about the big book, the 12 steps, the program, the fellowship, the people in the fellowship, and all the spiritual terms especially you, God, so I may have an open mind and a new experience with all these nice things. Please help me to see the truth. Amen. So um, today I'm going to step, talk about, you know, where I was, you know, years ago, where I am today and how I got here, but I'm going to do that through steps one, two, and three. And I'll give you a, a little background on myself. I have been in Overeaters Anonymous for 30 years, and I came in twice. Once because of anorexia and the second time because of severe bulimia. Um, I was raised in Newton, Massachusetts. And back in those days, we didn't talk about the steps at all. 
in our OA meetings. They were forbidden, actually. If someone started to talk about the steps, we all, it was looked very down upon. What we had back then was called an AWOL, a way of living is what that stands for. And that was separate meetings just to study the steps. So of those 30 years, I've been absent for 24 of those years, which means in my absence, I have not eaten sugar or flour and I cannot put those substances in my mouth. Um, and it was not until I studied the steps a year and a half ago that I actually became recovered. And there's so many people that ask the question, what is the difference between being abstinent and being recovered? So recovered, which is being a little different, it means I'm in fit spiritual condition and I don't obsess about eating all the time like I used to, and the thoughts have been lifted. And it also means to, to have that, I have to stay in fit spiritual condition, which is working 10, 11, and 12 every day, which we'll be talking about later on in this um, conference. So I really am a compulsive overeater. I fit into that class. And as a, a small child, I noticed I was had a very unusual relationship with food. I ate a whole bottle of aspirin when I was like four years old. And I ate a bottle, whole, whole bottle of vitamins. And I had, you know, I used to eat my toys, believe it or not. I had a plastic toy. It was about 12 inches and it was called Gumby. It was a green bendable figurine. And um, I ate the whole toy. And I remember saying to my mom, look, mom, I ate my Gumby and I was holding a wire. So not only was I eating so young, but I was eating my toys at that time too. And Mary, I even- could you slow down a bit, please? Sure. And even in elementary school, I wore on my, I wore necklaces of Cheerio cereal and Fruit Loop Cheerio to school every day. So my, most of my thoughts were around food. For lunch, I had sugar sandwiches, which was white bread with tons of butter and tons of sugar on top. And I would eat that. That was like my main staple for lunch every day. And I remember on weekends, my mother would come home with a dozen of those round things and I would eat 11 of them. And, you know, everyone was furious because I ate them all. So at a very young age, I was very, had a very abnormal relationship with food. My family life, you know, was not too bad. My father was in, well, my father was in prison when I was three and he died when he was 28, still in prison. Um, my mother didn't want kids. Uh, my sister and I, we could just do whatever we wanted to. And she really didn't care at all. And I remember my younger sister would come home crying from school because she got beaten up. And um, my mother would just shut the door and say, don't bother me, I'm studying. So I had to raise my little sister. Um, and that's where I, uh, this independence and this controlling of what goes on in my life started to happen. And my mother did end up moving out with her boyfriend and left the two of us alone. Um, so that was a big responsibility for me to raise my little sister. Um, as a teenager, I ate large amounts of food, but I was a gymnast. I was on the gymnastic team at school and I practiced every night after school. I lived across the street from where the place was. So I was very, very, very active. Um, one thing that happened when I was 19 years old 
is I had a disease of the nervous system called Guillain-Barre. Um, for those who don't know, it's a disease of the nervous system where your antibodies kill your own antibodies. So when I went to the hospital, they said, you can be in here from two days to two years. We don't know. And Harry, one, 15 minutes. And within one week, I lost the use of my arms. Then I lost the use of my legs. I couldn't talk. I couldn't move. I couldn't speak. I was 100% intubated. And that was the first of the, the search and rescues where God has saved my life. In the 20s, I was a bodybuilder. So again, I was all really active. And interesting enough, um, when I first started a program, they said, don't travel. And of course, I am very different than everyone else. So I moved to Belgium for one of my degrees. And I brought all of my phone numbers, the contacts, meeting locations, and everything I needed on my scale. And not one meeting was in English. And I did not know French. So it was really difficult of me, but I did learn very fast how to say, may I have that chocolate down at the second shelf, you know, over three. So I learned how to ask for food were my first words in French. Um, and in my twenties, my car broke down and to make a long story short, I would walk every day. And that's where this compulsive obsessive behavior began. Um, it was horrific. The, I would walk three miles every single day and it came to five and six miles a day and it got so obsessive. And then I, you know, my eating was affected by that. I think for one year I drank tea and chewed gum and the doctors are like, you should be dead. I don't know how, you know, this, this happened, but um, I'll tell you a little bit about steps one, two, and three and, and relate to that. But I want to show you a couple of pictures uh, real quickly. I generally do not show my pictures because I was so anorexic, but I want everyone to understand how horribly sick that one can be when they're so underweight. I mean, you can't think straight. So I will show you a few pictures. Here is a picture of me as a child. And, you know, I look pretty happy there. And the next one is a picture of me in Greece. And this is when I was extremely anorexic. Um, I think I was probably 70 pounds. Harry, dear, I'm sorry, we should have practiced this ahead. Pull the picture so it's closer to your face because your virtual background is blanking so this out. Is, I hope people can see this. This is me. Yeah. Unfortunately, we're not going to be able to see your pictures unless you turn your virtual background off. So, so let's, so, just, let's just keep going, darling. So I'm going to skip the pictures. It's not working out. I'm so sorry. Yeah. sorry so I'm going to talk about the first step prayer. And um, there is actually... Uh, the first step, there's a prayer that goes with that. And it says creative intelligence, universal mind, spirit, nature, or spirit of the universe. My name is Terry and I'm a real alcoholic food addict for me. And I need your help today. Amen. So step one is we're powerless over food and our lives have become unmanageable. My life was not unmanageable. Um, as I said, I was, I was very restrictive and extreme obsessive compulsive behavior. As I said, I had to walk six miles every day and I would not miss a day. I would put food in my mouth and spit it out. I wouldn't swallow my food. I would chew 10 to 20 packs of gum a day. I weighed myself five times a day. And if I weighed over 82 pounds, I would not leave my house because that was so fat and unacceptable. Um, I covered all my windows with construction paper so no one could see in and I would not answer my phone. 
I would not answer the door when people came over. I would not shower. I, I mean, I would just isolate in my house. And, you know, I started, you know, and the worst part was while I was walking every day, you know, I was fainting sometimes because I was so thin. And, you know, when I, one thing interesting about anorexia, which a lot of people will, if they are anorexic can, can attest to, is I stole when I was anorexic. And, you know, I actually got arrested for stealing. I stole cordless phones years ago and I had done a lot of research because I had to go to court. And I found that most anorexics do steal because their electrolytes are so low, their thinking is not normal. So that was a very interesting um, thing. That So when I went to court, I gave that evidence and I did not get charged for stealing. But um, it was a very interesting time in my life. I would never steal anything today. I couldn't even imagine how that happened. So I, you know, I didn't think anything was wrong with those behaviors, um, but then came bulimia. And I thought about food 13 hours a day. I would wake up 4 p.m. I would eat $130 worth of food a day. So as I said, I wake up in the morning, call the bakeries, order three dozen of whatever, spend the day shopping, set things on my table perfectly around my kitchen, $130 worth of food. And I would eat and purge and eat and purge until 3 a.m. in the morning. Harry, 10 minutes. So, you know, I would spend the whole day thinking about food, you know, and I would have a panic attack if I didn't throw up. It was, you know, I, I would stick my head in a toilet anywhere. There'd be throw up all over my clothes. Um, so basically the food controlled me and I could not stop. And I no longer controlled what I ate. And that part of my bulimia was the gates of hell. And that's where my life was unmanageable. I had no job, couldn't pay my rent. Car was getting repossessed. I mean, my boyfriend's dumped me. It was horrible. Um, so I want to talk about, so why did I eat? Um, I thought it was because my father was in jail. My mother hated me. I'm stupid. I'm ugly. And you know what? It has nothing to do with that. It doesn't have to do with my circumstances. It's because I have human emotions. I have happiness, anger, grief, guilt. And when my emotions build up, the first thing I do is I want to eat to get an effect. And for me, that's the food. And that effect lasts seven to nine seconds. It's not even like, you know, that's a very short amount of time. So, and I can always say, well, maybe I'll eat just one and this, you know, this time will be different. But so the food is not my problem. I've used the food as a solution. The problem is I have an allergy to the body and a mental obsession of the mind. So therefore, what is the problem? I'm powerless and I need to be relieved of this obsession. Two, what is the solution? Step two, I need a power greater than myself. And how do I get there? Following the instructions in the big book after step three. So, you know, I do also want to talk about um, step two. You know, so where do I begin? Um, I need to be willing to believe in a power greater than myself can restore my sanity. And for me, this is by co-creating with a power greater than myself, who I call God, who enables me to do with his power the things that I can't do. And on um, 57 of the big book, page 57, 567, excuse me, we're told a spiritual experience and a spiritual awakening shows us a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery. So this is important step two. Um, 
And there is a prayer that also goes with step two. It says, God, I'm standing in the turning point right now. Give me your protection and care as I abandon myself to you and give up my old ways and my old ideas just for today. So now that we know we're powerless, we realize that nothing except a higher power can restore us to sanity. So in step three, we have to make a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understand him. And for a lot of people, that doesn't have to be God. That can be anything. In the big book, it says we just need to be willing, willing to be, you know, willing to believe in something greater than ourselves. And, you know, that was a big relief. And, you know, in this chapter, you know, well, step three in the big book in the chapter tells us we're alcoholic and we can't control our own lives. No human power can restore us to sanity and God could and would if he was, if he was sought. So in the ANA, the AA 12 and 12 book, it says on page, sorry, I got to it. On page 14, practicing step three is like opening a door to which all appearances is still closed and locked. And all we need is the key. And the decision to swing that door open, there's only one key and it's called willingness. Once locked by willingness, the door opens almost by itself and looking through it, we see a pathway which an inscription reads, this is the way to a faith that works. So this is an action step here. For not only by action, we, it's, we, have, to, we have to get rid of our self-will and we have to believe that a power greater than ourselves can restore us to sanity. And I was talking to a fellow the other day saying to them, I spent my whole life in a closet, literally. My childhood, I, I sat in closets, I hid in closets all through my teens. I just didn't feel ever safe. And then my friend said, well, remember in the 12 and 12 in step three, they talk about that door in that closet, you know? And so actually what did open that door for me? It was the willingness to believe in a power greater than myself to restore my sanity because I absolutely could not have ever stopped my bulimia ever by myself, ever. I mean, that comes from the gates of hell. Absolutely horrific, my life was. And you know, it's like, I can't, God can, I will let him. Um, and I, I co-create with my God every day. I used to have a very black hole in my heart and I used to fill it with food um, because it was so, my feelings were so horrible and dark and depressing. And today I reach my arm out to God several times a day and I put him right in my heart and just reach out and put him back in my heart. So my heart is not black anymore, you know? And I have a life today that's, it's, it's better than anything I could have ever imagined. You know, I never thought I could get out of the food and I never thought I could get well. And I didn't know there was a solution, you know? And the big book is the solution. And I would not be here today. I, I probably would have been dead from the anorexia and bulimia if I did not find a way. Um, so it's been a big part of my life. And, you know, it's not, it's, I do a lot of work. You know, someone said to me, oh, you wake up and you pray. I'm like, oh no, I wake up and I pray and I meditate and I do my tools and I call my sponsor. And I mean, the whole day is just working through a program and sponsoring other people and going to meetings. Um, but, you know, you'll find a talk, you'll hear about later on the, the convention more about steps 10, 11, and 12. But um, yes, thank you for having me here today. And I appreciate you listening to my story. And if you have any questions, please feel free to ask. And um, again, please don't leave until the miracle happens. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Terry. Um, I 
really appreciate um, and thank you for sharing your experience, strength, and hope around steps one, two, and three. I believe that we're going to have a change of interpreters. Is that right, Sandy? Yes. So Chuck, if you will um, add Christine to the lineup and we'll yep. take France off. And France, thank you so much for your willingness. Really appreciate it. Hi, Christine. Good morning. Glad you could join us. Take your time, my dear. You've raised your hand. Lise, you can go ahead and lower your hand, dear. There we go. Okay. And Chuck, are we all set? Is Christine? We are all set. Christine, thumbs up if you're good. All right. And Terry, let's have you mute yourself, my dear. Thank you. And Lauren, let's have you, let's spotlight you. You're fabulous. There you go. Thank you all. Okay. Are we ready to go? Okay, Christine, you're ready? Excellent. Okay, our second speaker is Lauren. Lauren, please go ahead. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, everyone. From, from the first person who came up with the idea of doing conventions, period. I don't know who that could be, but to everybody who was on this committee and involved in this program today, I'm thanking you for putting, for asking me to speak and for allowing me to do service. Um, actually, Sandy, you'd be surprised I didn't mute my phone, just did that. So, um, Lauren, compulsive overrated sugar addict from New York. Thank God for this program. I am recovered one day at a time and have been so for about five years. Um, I'm going to show you some pictures of before and after shots. And here we go. So you'll see a couple of shots of me when I was morbidly obese. Back in 2010 and 2011, the picture, this picture is the day I was being admitted to the hospital for my second bariatric surgery. Yes, I've had two of them. Now, this is current pictures. Um, you'll see August this summer, I took a hike, and I've done that hike now five years in a row. And I can do it without a problem. Thank you for this program. Back in the day when I had my second bariatric surgery, it was because I had diabetes. I was killing myself with food. I am 5'1", and I weighed 287 and a half pounds. I had diabetes. I was giving myself five, four shots a day, one of them of insulin, and the other three right before each meal. I couldn't walk more than a block because I had done so much damage to my back. I had excruciating pain up and down my legs. The reason for the second bariatric surgery was that I needed to get rid of diabetes. I was starting to show signs of neuropathy in my feet. 
and pain on my legs that I couldn't, couldn't deal with. My life was very small at that time. Thank you. I lost um, a lot of weight from the second bariatric surgery. It was supposed to be the ruin why, but it ended up, I was too fat. So it ended up, thank God, to be just the sleeve. But I was in the process of gaining the weight back when I went into Al-Anon to save my son, who was showing signs of being an alcoholic. Well, my sponsor in Al-Anon told me she thought that I probably needed this program. And I was off the wall crazy with food, trying to control everything and only have a little. And of course, only having a little was worse because then all I could do is think about what I wanted and how much it was calling me that was in my freezer or whatever. It didn't matter where it was. It was calling me all the time. So I came back to OA. Yes, back to OA. I was in OA many times when I was 20, 25, 30. And I thought you guys were crazy. Who thought this God stuff would answer my questions? I did not realize I was the craziest one of all. I went out and kept hurting myself with food more and more. So I came into these rooms and someone who is actually a key person in this, in this group said to me, keep coming back when I said, why? Why do I still want to eat those goods? And I remember it was August 22nd, 2016, and I had just come back from an engagement party where Lauren, I was there are 15 minutes left. Thank you. Thank you. Where I was taking pictures of the goodies. I thought I had been abstinent from sugar and flour for already a year by then. No, no, absolutely not. What I was doing was I was abstaining from dessert but I was still ingesting my allergic foods. Someone said, try it, just try it. We'll give it back to you if you want it. I spent four days in hell giving up my allergic substance of no choice, which was sugar. And life has been almost smooth sailing since. And not everybody has that experience. but. Giving up sugar and all sweetener made a huge difference to me. And since then, yes, I've struggled to give up more foods. But the freedom I had from not eating anything with sweetener in it is beyond my wildest dreams. I absolutely could not and cannot explain how free I have felt since that day, August 23rd, 2016. That means no sugar on any label. 
that means all the food I eat is made by me. So, or, or just grilled if I eat it out. And you know what? I do it happily because now I'm free. I'm free from all the obsessions. So that's my story quickly in a nutshell, but I'm going to get to how I got here. I am someone who is devoted to uh, a big book meeting. Um, I'm on that meeting every single Monday through Friday. It is called a vision for you. I've been live on that meeting probably since early 2016. They talk exclusively about the big book. It made a big difference for me. So for me, I'm going to quote from some of the parts that really spoke to me, which were step one parts. The, in the doctor's opinion on, on English edition, page XXVI, it says the body of the alcoholic is quite as abnormal as the mind. In my case, when I gave up sugar and I gave up my allergic substances, my mind was freed from the obsession to have more. I no longer wanted more. The doctor's theory later further down on that page that we have an allergy to alcohol interests us. As laymen, our opinions as to its soundness may, of course, mean little. But as ex-problem drinkers, we can say this explanation makes good sense. It explains many things for which we cannot otherwise account. I cannot account to why I wanted more when I knew it was in my freezer. But now it can be in my freezer and I don't care. So that's the allergy of the body that they talk about in the doctor's opinion. Goes on on XXVIII, once again, in the English edition. Um, the obsession, the action of the alcohol on these chronic alcoholics is a manifestation of an allergy that the phenomenon of craving is limited to a class that never occurs in the average temperate drinker. These allergic types can never safely use alcohol in any forms at all. Once having formed the habit and found they cannot break it, once having Are in lost, five, ten minutes. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Once having lost their self confidence, their reliance on things human, their problems pile up on them and become astonishingly difficult to solve. No matter how much frothy emotional appeal came out from my loved ones, 
I never heard it and I never could. Men and women, this is where they describe the problem. In the doctor's opinion, men and women drink essentially because of the effect they like. The effect produced by alcohol, the sensation is so elusive that while they admit is injurious, so it put me in diabetes. It put me to the point where I couldn't walk more than a block. In New York City, real short blocks. They cannot, after a time, differentiate the true from the false. To them, their alcoholic life seems the only normal one. They are restless, irritable, and discontent unless they can again experience the ease and comfort, which comes by at once by taking a few, few drinks. Drinks which they see others taking with impunity. The phenomenon after such time, the phenomenon of craving develops and they can't stop anymore. That's where I came. I didn't realize that every single time I put ketchup on my hamburger, I was re-triggering the allergy to sugar. That's what happened to me. You might be allergic to something else. You might be allergic to substances or combinations of substances or the feeling that gets generated when my allergy was sugar, sugar, sugar. Now it's further. It's, I have a very clean abstinence, no sugar, flour, sugar substances or sweeteners, no flour, no butter, and no salt. That's my abstinence now. And I've been able to maintain it. And it's changed over since 2016. All right, I'm quickly going on. Um, my, another favorite sentence in the doctor's opinion is that I earnestly advise every alcoholic to read this book through and through. Perhaps he came to scoff. He may remain to pray. And that's my prayer for all of you, as well as myself still. That I never think that I can do this on my own ever again. All right. So step one, where is that? That's for me in the English big book, chapter three more about alcoholism, we learned we had to fully concede to our innermost selves that we were alcoholic. I absolutely on that day conceded that I was an alcoholic and I could not. Actually, it was only four days later when I realized how clean I felt after four days and that the phenomenon of craving was gone. The allergy of the body was gone. 
Second step. Second step comes in when the craziness sets in. After the phenomenon of craving is gone, then the mental blank spot kicks in. When I forget that I've got that allergy, when I forget, and I forget that all the time, and it's only for me by doing service, by being a sponsor and being a sponsor of many, that I'm able to remember that. Five minutes, Lauren. Thank you very much, Timer. Do I now believe that, or am I willing to believe that a power greater than myself can fix me? That's page 47 in the big book under We Agnostics. I don't know where it is in the French edition. As soon as man, as a man can stop can say that he does believe or is willing to think that he might believe. We ensure him, we assure him he is on his way. It has been repeatedly proven among us upon the simple cornerstone that a wonderful, effective spiritual structure can be built. How incredible that structure is. And step three, step three is how it works in the English edition, page 63, it's where we pray, God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties, that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. Amen. Sorry, Christine, if I'm too fast. Thank you for that prayer that I say regularly when I do my 10th and 11th steps. Every day. Um, in chapter five, how it works on the bottom of the first page, it says, remember that we deal with alcohol, cunning, baffling, and powerful. Without help, it is too much for us. But there is one who, can, who has all power. That one is God. May you find him now. I am so grateful that I found God. But for me, the most important sentence, part of that sentence is remember. Because for me, my built-in forgetter is the problem with this disease. I forget that I have it all the time. I have to stay diligent and work real hard to stay recovered 
and to keep this program working. Thank God for vision for you. Thank God for all the Zoom meetings that I've attended in the past year and three quarters. Thank God for everyone who's taught me how to believe in a higher power when I didn't believe there was a higher power. I came into these rooms angry, mad, pissed off that I needed to do all this work to maintain a weight loss. Now I'm 165 pounds down. I don't have diabetes. I still have stenosis of the spine, but thanks to a surgery last year, I don't have pain up and down my legs. I could have that surgery last year during the pandemic because I was a normal weight. I wear a size small. All my clothes are the same size in my closet. I used to have size 32 to to 18. And I'd never get rid of a small size because I'd never know if I'd fit in it again. And I'd never get rid of a large size because I'd never know if I'd need it again. Thank you all for giving me a life that I never could have expected before. And with that, I think I'm going to pass. Perfect timing. Thank you. Thank you. Lauren, thank you so much for sharing your experience, strength, and hope on steps one, two, and three. We appreciate your service. Now, I will just remind the audience, if you would like to send a question or you have a question for the speakers, if you will go to the Q&A button at the bottom of your Zoom screen, a screen will open up and you can put your question in there. So now we're going to go to the question and answer time. Terry, there were um, a few questions regarding your personal prayers. Now, I believe those were your personal prayers. Um, uh, uh, there was um, someone who asked if you would repeat the four terms that you use for higher power in your, in your prayers. Yes. I say several different set-aside prayers during the day. So this one was to um, set aside everything about the 12 steps, the program, the fellowship, the people in the fellowship, the spiritual terms, and especially you, God. I want to set all those things aside so that I may have an open mind and a new experience with all of those things. And I ask God to please tell me the, show me the truth. Thanks, Terry. Okay.
Okay, there was a question, Terry, for you. Uh, this uh, person is a recovering anorexic and was interested to hear how you approached exercise and, um, and how, how often do you weigh yourself? Thank you for the question. I used to weigh myself four to five times every single day. And because of that, um, I do not weigh myself anymore. My weight is none of my business. The weight is my sponsor, my nutritionist, and my doctor's business. I can have nothing to do with my weight because otherwise um, that will just set for right now that I just can't do that. So my doctor lets me know that I'm at a healthy weight and so doesn't my nutritionist. So as today, because I weighed myself five times a day, I do not weigh myself, my doctor does. Thank you, Terry. Uh, Lauren, there was a, a question and perhaps you can do this once we get finished the question and answer period, but someone would like to, you to put the link in for the Vision for You meetings. I don't know how many that might be, but they were looking for the link. Chris, we did put it in the chat. I'll repost oh, it a couple of times. Okay. Yep. Thanks. Thank you. Okay. Um, The next question is for Lauren. Lauren, did you always believe in God or how did you find him or her? Thank you for that question. Um, I absolutely did not always believe in God. Um, I came into these rooms actually quite angry at God. Um, higher power, everything. I... Um, when I was 14 years old, my mother passed away of cancer and I was left with a fairly abusive father and um, a, a family in shambles. Um, my mother was a food addict, my father a workaholic or control addict, I don't know what, but it's not really important, but they belonged in these rooms and neither one of them had any recovery. Um, but I was told a week uh, about three months before my mother passed away to go to go to synagogue and pray that my mother lived through that she got over cancer. Well, that didn't work. And not only didn't it work, it backfired because I was angry that God did that to me and left me without a mother at 14 years old. Um, so uh, my anger at God was, that's why I left the room so many times. I was in many times. And every time I heard the word God, I left. So what I can say is that I was willing when I came in, I was down on my knees and I was willing to say, the group was my God. You all were my God. That what I heard from you, I could believe in. Now. I don't necessarily think of God any longer as that white bearded fellow that sits up there and tells us what we've done wrong, which is what I thought he was back when I was 14. Now I think I'm of Lauren. Thank you. Thank you. You just want to finish up Lauren. Thank you. Um, I, now I believe that higher power is 
for me, it's the universe, it's sunshine, it's trees, it's flowers, it's snowy capped mountains, it's a good day in the sun on the beach in the summer, it's a, it's good friends, it's people, and God often talks through others. And I hear my higher power speak through my fellows. And as someone says that I really like, it's like when the wind blows on the trees, you see it, but you don't, and maybe you feel it, but you don't really know it's there, the wind. So thank you. Thank you, Lauren. Um, both, both speakers um, quoted from uh, the doctor's opinion, and, and I think both of you mentioned the mental obsession. Um, I'm just wondering, uh, perhaps, Terry, you can go first. Uh, would you be willing to tell us uh, how you overcame the mental obsession? Yes. So the mental obsession for me is, is connected to the allergy of the body. So I have an allergy of the body and a mental obsession of the mind. When I put certain ingredients in my mouth, I have an allergic reaction. It's like I will put something in my mouth and the light bulb turns on, but it never shuts off. And I continue and continue and continue to think about food. So what happens is the allergy and the mental obsession caused me to have this disease. And I always thought it was because of circumstances, but the only thing that could get me out of this mental obsession and allergy is a spiritual experience or which is through the studying the, the 12 steps for me to let go of my own ideas and my own will. And to say that I can't do this myself and taking those ingredients out of my body today, I, I cannot eat those ingredients or today I will just, start all over again with the allergy, it will just trigger me and go into another mental obsession. So it's eliminating those foods and then studying the 12 steps and allowing God to do for me what I can't do for myself. Thank you for the question. Thank you so much, Terry. Lauren, uh, would you like me to repeat the question? Or are, you, are you ready to go forward? The mental obsession. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, I can say very similar to Terry that I also have an allergy of the body. I listed my four allergic substances. And once again, when I pick up one of those, I realize that I can't stop. I just can't. I no longer test myself. That's the bottom line. Um, someone asked earlier in the text uh, in the, chats and I typed an answer to why salt for me when I had something with salt on it I wanted more so sugar sugar sub, sugary substances was one of them but salt is also another one for me and butter I mean you know if I want if I had something with butter on it I wanted more so I for a long time I had butter without salt on it when I gave up salt but then I realized I had to give up butter. And it just, you know, it, it migrates or it, it more things show up as you are longer in this program, at least for me. Just three weeks ago or four weeks ago, I had to give up dried fruit. I was eating two prunes every day. 
and I couldn't have two anymore. For all the sudden, for years, I had two prunes. All of a sudden, I, I had five. And it was like, I couldn't do that anymore. It was a problem for my abstinence. And I realized I needed to give it up. And I prayed and I worked with my sponsor and we came up, we came up with a new plan that for one day I would just not have any. And now it's three or four weeks later and it's now on my abstinent food list. So. Thank you, Lauren. Um, a question along that line. Um, someone has asked, what did you do concretely for those first four days without sugar. You know, we know that when we go off sugar, it can be tough. You want to answer that, Terry, or do you? Or... Yeah, sure. So for me, as an example, my very first abstinent meal was a Christmas day, and it was three abstinent items, eggs, a banana, a wheat germ. It took me almost 50 minutes to eat that, the horror the horror for me to actually eat those foods. And for me, you know, and I, I got withdrawals, you know, and what I did was I just used this program and the people in the program. And, you know, I got on my knees and I prayed, God, please remove this obsession for me, you know? And, but I was so willing, I was so broken and so dead inside. I mean, I, I was going to die. So I had no choice. And, you know, it was difficult. It was really hard for like the first two weeks for me. You know, it takes a while to get the sugar out of your system. But, you know, I also use the tools in this program. We have eight tools. You know, we do calls, reading, writing. You know, we call a sponsor. And it, so all those tools also helped me a lot. But, but what really was, was giving up my willingness and my power, knowing that I can't do it myself. Thank you for the question. Thank you, Terry. Lauren. Um, for me, it was very similar to what Terry said, but I spent, it was really only four days for me that it took to feel that relief. I spent those four days listening to incessant podcasts, reading, talking to fellows. I, I called people all the time. I was just a nut. When it, I mean, I remember the first day I, um, um, I probably listened to five podcasts in that day. And, you know, if you go to Vision for You, the website, which has been posted, there are hundreds of hours of podcasts out there on that website. And you can, you can subscribe to them on Podbeam now and, you can, you know, bring them up on your phone and go for a walk and listen to them. They are just incredible. And I've listened to a lot of them. I've listened live to most of them, but those that I don't listen to live, I listen to podcasts and I can, if you contact me offline, I'll share with you my phone number. You can text or, or email me. I will give you the link to a bunch of that I really like. Thanks, Lauren. Um, Terry, um, someone has asked, um, how do you um, ensure that you eat enough in a day? I see nutritionist. Thank you. 
as do I, by the way, and she tells me what, what to eat. I have no business making any decisions with food. Thank you, Lauren. Um, I think it, it was you, Lauren, that said you had, I forget a disease, I forget disease. <laughs> and I think that we have all experienced that. Um, it's so easy to forget. Um, and I'm just wondering if you and Terry might be able to address the I forget disease. Yeah, the remember is the most important word in, in that book as far as I'm concerned. Well, one of the most important words. But um, the I forget disease, the way I combat it is I do a lot of work to stay in recovery. As Terry mentioned, um, you know, I, I work full time, so I don't necessarily have, you know, the daytime to do as much, but I sponsor people. I have a 11 step buddy that I do something with every day. I have a 10 step buddy that I do something with every day. I talk to sponsees. I'm on vision for you Monday through Friday. I, on the phone call, I go to meetings most nights now that with the pandemic and not going out and being social as much. Um, I go to different meetings. I'm in other fellowships. So um, I, yeah, I just keep it fresh. Keep it simple. And someone said yesterday, keep it simple, silly. Thank you. Thanks, Lauren. Terry. I actually love what Lauren said. Um, that's pretty much what it boils down to. What I would add is also taking care of myself. Um, for an example, I'm going to a gala next week. And, you know, it's, it's making sure before I get there, I talk to the chef. I'm taken care of. I'm not having anything with flour and sugar. And it's also before I go to a restaurant, I call to see what they have and make sure there's something I can eat. So not only is it my day-to-day you know, forgetting. It's like, I have to also prepare, you know, I prepare my food for the week. A lot of times I'll spend Sunday cutting my vegetables and all my, taking my proteins, weighing and measuring them and have them all in my refrigerator. So that keeps me remembering that I am a food addict, you know, just taking care of myself. And as Lauren said, you know, it's just, we do so much work, you know, and it's so worth it. Thanks for the question. I just want to thank you both ladies. Um, for your uh, willingness to serve, your willingness to step out of your comfort zone. And uh, we really appreciate uh, your talk and your question and your answers to your questions. Um, I'm just going to bring the uh, meeting to a close now. I just want to thank everyone who attended this panel session and um, Thank you for your service. And we'll close with the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Thank you, everyone.